is Christine Conti, and you are listening to best-selling author of Split Second Courage. What if your fears were the key to your dreams? That's right, everyone. Available on Amazon right now as an ebook or paperback. Grab your copy today and unleash your inner superhero. What is holding you back from living the life you truly deserve? It's Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how's it going? It's going well, Christine. What a crazy day it is today. It's been fun. Super fun. Super fun. Great conversation. And by the way, I know um, you know, it's been it's been a hot second. We had a little hiatus, totally my fault for, for traveling a, a little bit. The, but it's like the Queen has been on her victory uh, tour here. So the Queen Miss Idea really. World is The Queen's uh, been on her victory uh, tour getting her ass kicked uh, and like <laughs> uh, training oh, regiments. Um but yeah, no, a lot of speaking, a lot of training. It's been I can't complain. Right about the opportunity. Opportunity is abound, but sometimes um, it's been a lot, like being on the road since March. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot. So, um, needless to say, uh, we're here back in the studio. I was really excited. I said no. to come back and be like, "Woo, hot mics!" Me too. I woke hot up mics. today, got the run in. I yeah. was like, "We're gonna have a good day today." Oh, and good we did. Heck yeah, we got a good <gasps> guest. Well done, Christine oh, Conti. Oh man, Eric. Quorum was Dr. Eric, I should say, was freaking amazing. Was he not awesome? Dr. Eric, put some spec on a man's name, right? Uh, really Ooh. good. I mean, everything about this just is just singing to me, right? Everything that, that Dr. Eric does. So, so basically, it's about human performance and getting, uh, you know, the proper means of gaining health, uh, you know, what measuring stress, measure, measuring arrest, all these things that we've kind of heard, but next level, right? Starting doing it with athletes, seeing how things change. We're not just kind of like waking up in the morning and maybe something like looking at, uh, you know, how we sleep and all those things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or measure, making sure that our hydration is there. This is like kind of next level stuff, but simple. Yes. And Dr. Eric was so good in explaining it in ways that, quite frankly, you and I can understand, right? I mean, we're, I'm not as smart as you, Chris. Oh my gosh, stop uh, it. No, but but just a way that, that you know that as lay persons not in lab coats, uh you right. know that, that we don't live in that world, um, can understand it. So uh, you know, and it was really, really great just to hear how he's helping people, you know, either regain health or uh or you know, flourish in good health or increase performance. Um everything about his company's aim seven. Uh, you know, it's it's sports science, but bringing it to the masses and bringing it to people who, uh, you know, really going to need it. Um, you know, it was just fascinating. What, what, all right. So this is a deal. You're going to hear all about how he worked with Olympians and, you know, all over the world, worked at colleges, universities from ACC to SCC to Jamaican sprinters to all over um, NFL teams. And what's fascinating is that he's going to he's going to tell a story. But you know what? Um, you're going to hear how he kind of wraps his head around his mistakes, which led to just epiphanies. And now he's got just – I know some people hate the word app, but this is like a game changer with wearables. So whatever you've thought about before, this is something that – it's so simple and so cost-effective and time-effective that 
uh, please listen up because this is going to be a uh, a great education on, I guess, human performance and how we totally. need to stress our body and adapt it a little bit to make it better. You know, a lot of wearables out there, a lot of technology, and people are are you know looking at it but not understanding what it is or what it means and and what uh what Dr. Eric and uh and AIM7 do is is really um reexamine or just look at it in a different light and give you information useful information uh, based on what they see through their lens which is you know a very scientific uh very very professional uh you know lens that uh, allows us to use it and and just you know get a whole lot better so i'm excited they're launching the app uh, pretty soon so if you're hearing this uh, chances are it's out already or coming out within the next week or so so uh, listen up for all that information and uh, aim seven Dr. Eric Corum, and uh, listen up. Here we go. Rumble, Christine. Oh my gosh! Holy the moon! It's uh, it's been a, a hot second since we've been on hot mics, and um, we're really excited. That's today. your fault, Miss Worldwide over here. Stop it! <laughs> just seven three two. Just because, just because I'm on a first name basis with everyone at the Newark Airport, does not mean any. I'm like, hey, Joyce. Good to see you again. Yeah, good job. Um. Yeah, long story short, but we are joined today by Dr. Eric, Eric Corum, who is uh, just happens to have a pretty amazing story, and um, that's what we do here. We we get into the story and then get into, like, what the heck do you have going on right now? Because your story has kind of led to, I mean, your passion and your story and your story and your passion kind of intertwine, so... Let's start here. Where are you coming to us from, Eric? I'm in Houston, Texas right now. Oh, you're melting. I am completely melting. <laughs> it has not rained in forever, which is weird for Houston. It's 100 degrees every day. Uh, yeah. And, and and people still are flocking here. It, great people. It is just so stinking hot right now. I, damn it, because I was in Houston, I think, two weeks uh-huh. ago. And um, I could, I should have oh, called you up for a high five. I know. At least no I was. Question. I was just worried when my plane landed that like the wheels were gonna melt off on the runway, <laughs> but like we were good. <laughs> but I'm glad you're hanging in there in the in the heat. So, um, you haven't been in Houston though all summer. You've been around. You've been getting around a little bit. Yeah, we were uh, in Tennessee. Uh, we were in Alabama with for, with family. A uh, lot of time on the water. A lot of time in cooler weather. But uh, yeah, summer times. Uh, you know, with the kids, you, you, we like to try to take a little bit of time to get away. We found this like tranquil lake in the middle of Alabama that is just called Lake Martin, and it is like there's nothing there except for these massive homes on the water. And you're like, where do these people come from? There's like an airstrip 
a Walmart and that's it. <laughs> and we stay in like a con and it's so much fun. We have a little boat and just, just chill, like completely unplug and really enjoyed ourselves. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good summer. Ready to get back to it though. All right. It's nice when you go out and you find one of those pearls like out there, you know, that they, like who are these people exactly? Like who are yeah. these people? What do they do to make the, get get these big houses, right? I guess they got an airstrip, so there's some travel, but yeah. And uh that's the, that's the United States, you know, that's where that's where we're living. No uh, question. All right. So here's here's the deal. You're saying I want to get back to it. Mm. All right. Explain to our listeners what is it? Yeah. So I have a pretty <laughs> crazy twist and turny experience in my life prior to i have a company called aim seven but prior to that i spent about 16 years in the nfl and in college football working as a sports scientist and human performance director um along the way i spent 14 years coaching olympic sprinters in the jamaican system so i gotta work with some of the best sprinters in the world and um, about 11 years ago my goodness i'm starting to get old now um you've ever Heard of athlete tracking? You ever seen an NFL football game where they're like, oh, so-and-so is running down the field 20 miles an hour or whatever, yeah, like mm -hmm. AWS? Yeah, I pioneered that technology about 11 years ago. Um, I actually went to Australia. I was working at Florida State University with the football team, and uh, I was basically promoted to like the GM of the program. And um, I took a month and went and embedded myself with an Aussie Rules football team. And in Australia, this is like huge. It's like the NFL here, billion dollar TV contracts, 100,000 seat stadiums. But they were leading the world in technology. They had athletes that had these little devices on them that connected with GPS satellites and were, they were using it to train the athletes better, change the way that they were the rotating players off the bench. When somebody would slow down, they'd send somebody else in. So I came back and we were the first people to ever track an athlete in practice or game. And we quantified the game of football for the first time. So we actually learned what was happening on the field. Imagine like the first time somebody ever wore a Fitbit. As a matter of fact, this is pre-Apple Watch. Fitbit wasn't barely even a thing. And um, we were able to use that information to then be able to say, okay, what can we do better? And if anybody's listening that's a football fan or it's the time of year right now, our base right. in training camp, right? Yeah, yeah, hard knocks. It's on. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. That was me for a long time. And um, uh, what we found was pretty interesting. One, we had a super talented roster and amazing coaches, but our players were showing up game day just completely dead. We were playing like four or five games worth of volume before we got to Saturday. And then number two, everybody on the field has a different position, like a quarterback plays in like a small little box a lineman may sprint 50 yards in an entire game but a receiver that plays like core four special teams could sprint could cover like seven to eight thousand yards in a game and sprint like a thousand but everybody was training the same yeah it made no sense so we flipped the script and we changed the way that we train the athletes we manage practice better the next season, our team had an 88% reduction in injury. We won an ACC championship and an Orange Bowl. And then after that season, the NFL flew in and they're like, what the heck is going on here? And it let, it opened a multi-billion dollar market for sports wearables here in the U.S. And so my career took off and I helped start this field of sports science in the U.S. And uh, it was a common practice overseas. Um, I can explain why that is and why we didn't have it at that point, but, um, went on to the university of Kentucky, 
led high performance there. And I got a PhD there studying how our body and brain adapts to stress, specifically the role that sleep plays. And my colleague, Dr. Chris Morris, and I did some really cool research there. He pioneered some very unique technology that leverages data from like wearable devices to improve the outcomes of your exercise training programs, like significantly. And that's part of a core IP of our, our technology. I then went on to work in the NFL. And and then a couple of years ago, I got this idea for this company called AIM7 and I left it all. <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's like one of those moments in time where you're like, I'm, I know now is the time for me to exit and do something different and use the skills and ability I have been given and, and worked really hard to obtain and now use them in a different way to impact other folks and actually try to impact more lives. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love it. I have a million questions, of course, and, and, uh, I'm not letting you get out of here before we talk about Jamaican speakers, uh, sprinters, but, um, uh, first and foremost. So, like, you said that we're not great at it. Other people are, you know, more on mm-hmm. the cutting edge than we are. Europe is completely analytic with just about everything, right? Like, they are mm-hmm. really, really thorough. Uh, fine German engineering and all that. And, um, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so so what is it? Are we just three yards in a cloud of dust, and we're not focusing on the right things? Are we just uh, why 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 are the places better? Yeah, so uh, let's go back to why they were better, um, and why they were actually doing something to begin with. So in the U.S., we have a problem. We have the best athletes in the world. Uh, we literally do. I mean, the genetic pool here is ridiculous, no doubt right? Like it. you go to Miami-Dade County, Florida, and you got all these amazing athletes or wherever, Texas, California, Ohio, they're just amazing athletes. New Jersey. So in a country, <laughs> New Jersey, right? My buddy, Brian Cushing. Right? Oh yeah. Um, so if you go to a country like, let's take Australia, Australia is an enormous country by size, tiny, small in population. Um, and in 1978, I believe it was, they were 56th in the world in medal count at the Olympics. They was in a complete embarrassment. And the people literally booed the prime minister out of the Olympic park. They were like, enough's enough. So they came back and they're like, all right, what are we going to do about this? And they created something called the Australian Institute of Sport. And they brought together the best in technology, physiology, biomechanics, psychology, and put them all under one roof. And they were like, now let's actually go out and select and find people that have the potential to be good athletes and then put them in a position to be developed. And so um, by between 1988 and 2000, when they hosted the Sydney Games, they went from whatever, 56, 58 in the world to number three in the world in Olympic medals. And that's where the tracking technology started in the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra. Same thing in Europe. Uh, China is now doing this on a much grander scale with billions of dollars because to them it's a form of political warfare. Sure. Kind of like you go back to the 80s and the Cold War, um, the U.S. and Russia, the Olympics were a lot bigger than they are now. It was like head-to-head, mano-a-mano, who's going to be the world superpower? That's how China sees it now. So they were just – when you have, when you don't have a precious commodity like we have in athletes, you're going to look for every way to improve them. And so the U.S. is catching up significantly now because the rest of the world was gaining an advantage. London, and the, you remember the UK London Games? Yeah, absolutely. They hired some of the best coaches 
in the world. A lot of Americans came over, including my friend Dan Paff, and they did the same thing. And guess what? Boom, number three, medal count. And then all the money disappears and, you know, they're no longer the host country, so things change. But in the U.S. now, sports science literally did not exist. And me and a few other folks, my friend Dave Tenney, who's at Austin FC, we were the first ones to do it. And then it just caught on like wildfire. So I ended up working with Nike for five years on their performance council, helping them build better cleats using data. And uh, it really, I was very fortunate and blessed to just be around some amazing folks that were just trying on the cutting edge, right? Uh, so we've made up significant ground since then. But um, it's a lesson to be learned that when you have something that you have an abundance of, maybe it's also a weakness at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the most talented guys—they don't always work as hard as 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 others, or not as smart, or not as smart. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, where does it, where does it end? I mean, you you've—I guess what is the um, baseline that you guys are kind of looking at first? I mean, where do you look first? I guess is the question there. And then and then where does it end? I mean, what what is? I mean, you mentioned spikes and cleats and things like that. Like where? What doesn't it address? Or I mean, where bionic where, bionic <laughs> parts of the body? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it all starts with what you have to reverse engineer what you're trying to go after. So, for instance, when we started tracking football, up until that point, it was just like everybody lifted weights and ran gassers and then like went out and practiced and played. The sophistication that they would go about in writing up plays and scheming for the offense and defense, that had not been put into place for how you train and prepare. So it wasn't very specific. As much as the sports specificity stuff was out there, it's a bunch of garbage. It was not exactly precise to what you're actually trying to do. So you actually have to understand what the target is. Then you break it down into its constituent parts. And then you build a plan. So... Without getting too deep into it, if somebody wants to Google the principles of dynamic correspondence, that's a way that you could reverse engineer this. But just like you would apply the same principles in business or engineering or whatever, apply them to sports. Um, and so, you know, how where can this go? I mean, Nike kind of did it with that. They built that shoe that was dramatically improving run times. Um, there's, you know, you know, nutrition, looking at genomics, uh, then you start getting into some fuzzy categories <laughs> of performance enhancing drugs, but the biggest wins are looking at like, what does the sport actually require? And then let's actually develop the things for that instead of like, Oh, let's just go get tough and yeah. like do stupid drills. Yeah. I mean, like. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I, I'm a track and field guy. Like, it's got to make sense. Like, well, the reason we're doing anything is to get us better and faster and all that stuff. Where, you know, I, I talk to the football coach in school and I'm like, guys, you know, this is, that's, that's like 1978, right? Like, you guys. Like, why are we like, running long distance? At the end. Right. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. or anything at the end. Like, get it when they're fresh. Get them, get them faster. We're not, you know, we're just, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to make them faster when they're tired. That's I just, first... that's just like you guys being knuckleheads. Like we can fix that. And if you need my help. You nailed it, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the track coach's dilemma. Cause then I get them in the spring and the winter and then I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> you got to fix that. Have we're you ever do... heard of, 
Yeah, you ever heard of Feed the Cats? Yes. Tony so Holler. I'm a I've, good friend of mine. I've spoken many times at his conference that I was so honored. They actually wrote an article. I was at, I was at the Texans and a buddy of mine was like, hey, you need to see this. Yeah. And he had written an article about what I was doing somewhere. And he's like, I hope I don't get in trouble for ripping something off or whatever he did. He basically ripped something. So I just emailed him. And uh, for those of you that are listening, it's a group of coaches in the Chicago suburbs that are track coaches and football coaches. In a very intelligent way, they applied principles of speed training to football, and these athletes are getting crazy fast. Crazy fast. And their their, their athletes are winning championships. Why? Because if you want to get somebody fast, Brian, you and I know the basic fundamental principle. You have to sprint mm-hmm. fast, yep. and you have to rest, rest a lot. Yeah. And and most people just never do it. They just completely ignore the physiological principle of speed. And so running, like I, I, I'll never forget. I was at, I'm not going to name the school, but I was at one school in the SEC. People can start to narrow that down. And this not, new not coach anymore. had come. There's too many. <laughs> well, that I had been at. Okay, fair but, enough. But uh, this new strength coach had come in, and he's like, he knew my background in speed training, and you know, I would have offered it if he wanted it, but he didn't, obviously. He's like, hey, you need to come out and watch us do speed school. I'm like, oh, okay. So speed school was guys running until they puked. And I'm sitting here going, this is – you absolutely know nothing about what you're talking about it's embarrassing please stop doing this you're hurting people <laughs> anyway so i i mean I, and i love it i love feed the cats i watch every goddamn feed the cats youtube video <laughs> like until the end and and you know it's certainly changed the way that i do things i'm, I'm more of a distance coach uh, you know i am a distance coach but they you know they my distance kids hate it because the sprinters are hardly ever working, right? You know, they're like they're, they, but they're, they're getting faster. They're getting faster. So the the, the yep. premise is like cats don't cats just come out and play for a little bit, right. and then they go back and they lay down. You know, they come out, they play, yeah. they run around, they do a little, a little fast, mm-hmm. and then it, so you got to feed the cats. Um, and and I and I love it, and you know it does. It changes everything. It changes the way that mm. you know you go to track meets now. You see the warm ups. So you're like, oh, feed the cats. All right, good. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, um, and they you know they don't they don't work hard. There are not many red days on that on that board, right? They're all green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and and you know you do get that knucklehead mentality where you're going to toughen people up. No, you're making them tired. Okay, you don't run fast when we're tired. So how did how did your analytics and and your you know your, your results yeah. and what whatever you're wearing the wearables, how does that give you that feedback that data that you're looking to kind of back that up? So in sports, it was very different. Um, like I said, you would break down the constituent parts, right? So like, let's say a receiver. Uh, we know that they need to cover, let's call it again, 7,000 yards in a game of which X number of yards are at certain speeds. And then we know they need to do this many accelerations and decelerations. So what's important? How fast they can accelerate, top end speed, and aerobic capacity. Can they repeat this over and over and over again? So repeat sprint ability. So the research shows that the two things that dictate that are top end speed and aerobic capacity. So that's what we would work on. And then we'd measure it and then we'd see if we got better at it. And then we would build the requisite abilities for them to go out and train and not get hurt. Because the thing is, is like a lot of strength and conditioning coaches overvalue themselves. Like, I'm just going to be like, I did it for a long time. So I'm just going to say the truth. Um, 
our job is to build the engine and then they actually have to go out and rep it and their skill acquisition. And that's a whole other thing to talk about with coaches, which I've spent a lot of time working with high school coaches and pro coaches on that. But, you know, if you can create it, if you can help develop an athlete so they have a really great engine, they don't get hurt and they can go train their skill a lot at high outputs, they're going to get better. And there's a lot of great, a lot of strength coaches out there that are considered really good. And it's just because they have really good genetic pools that they're working with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I've been around great track coaches that literally were pulling out manuals from somebody 20 years ago, but XYZ company is pumping athletes to them. And they're, it's like, I could literally get chat GPT to like write a script for what you just put out there. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. <laughs> it's hysterical. Chat GPT is it's in the it's in the mix. <laughs> oh my gosh! I I think as I'm kind of sitting back, there are, I mean, you're stirring the pot for a lot of people right now, mm. and you know there are there are still I think I, I mean I'm hoping it's changing a mm. bunch. I always say hope for again coaches, strength and conditioning coaches. This goes on, you know. And I look at it in the, you know, in a bigger picture of right. many people, right. And many people still believe that, you know, it's the, it's the quantity, you know, you've got to put in the X amount of time or the X amount of this or the, you know, certain amount of miles or certain amount of lifting or certain amount of jumps or this or that. Um, you know, one of the, one of the, I guess the things that I come across mm -hmm. is that people don't want to change. And, no. you know, you're – and again, there's – it's built in. It's like the fabric, the foundation of a lot of athletics. You know, people do rely on, well, you're good because it's, you know, genetically you're gifted and whatnot. What do you say to people mm. when, you know, you're like, hey, this is this is what I do. Here's the data. And they're still – you know, their nails are still, you know, clenched in to it's my way. Yeah. And what, what have you seen or what, have, what do you do? This is such an insightful, <laughs> that, that's a lot of deep insight you're pulling out right there. I will say this. So think about this. I was working for Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. He had just taken over for the legendary football coach, Bobby Bowden, mm -hmm. two national championships, mm -hmm. eight conference titles. There's literally a statue made to him with stained glass with his picture on it. It's a cathedral. <laughs> coach Fisher, to his credit, had just climbed to the top of college football, and here he is making decisions with technology he really didn't 100% have a grasp of. And he actually articulated this in a video that I found. And he's talking about how he had sleepless nights because of this. But you know what? This is what I find in football. And, and the, uh, like, there's a lot of people that have come out from, uh, from Nick Saban and failed. Bill Belichick and failed. Because when you copy the model, you copy the errors. Mm. And when that really great coach or really great business leader has made those mistakes. They've already changed the model and iterated forward. And so like Saban has completely changed everything that he does. And it looks very much like this in training his athletes. Now they've had massive reduction in soft, to soft tissue injuries. Now Jimbo had come from that pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so this was radically different, but you know what he's like in his mind, he's like, if we want to be different, we got to do something different. And, um, he was a, 
phenomenal recruiter. Every player on offense got drafted in the NFL. Okay. But we just were underperforming. We were injured. And so he did a little bit something different. And for us, that got us over the edge. Um, in business, you do not survive like this. Like Google and like Meta's like the metaverse. You don't hear anything about that anymore. It's like AI, right? right. Um, you have to turn on a dime. So all these, you know, there is a, to, there are a lot of great strength conditioning coaches out there. There's a lot of great fitness coaches. Um, but if you're not willing to change, you're going to get left in the dust. And I'm going to tell you about something here that's going to blow your mind, I think. So when we were at um, Kentucky, uh, Dr. Morris and I were really fascinated with this idea of how – so whether I worked with an Olympic gold medalist in sprinting or I was an elite football player, we noticed that all the best had the same capability. They could adapt to physical and mental stress really quickly, and we could measure this biologically through certain things for their brain, certain – biometric for the brain and then heart rate variability. Those were two key things. One's called DC potential. The other was HRV. And we could understand like the signature that they would just bounce back so fast. So we kind of came up with this phrase, adaptive capacity. How do we build the capacity to adapt to more stress with less cost? Cause stress is not the enemy. It's actually the gateway to growth. It is the only way that you get better, but it's strategic, like a sniper. Okay. And so what we did was, is, and Chris actually coined this term, but we created, we call it for AIM 7 fluid and flexible modeling, where if you understand how much stress somebody can adapt to that day and you match the right dose with that amount of, with what they're capable of, athletes, this is, these are good athletes too. Like, SEC athletes got anywhere between 52 to 594% more improvement in certain things than their counterparts training right next to them doing the same program. Because one group we were like, it was opt in. Whoever wanted to do it could opt in. And this is a, you can go find this data. We adjust, they were like, hey, we're going to measure and then we're going to tweak your program. Over eight weeks, things peak vertical power lean body mass, aerobic capacity. And the interesting thing was the athletes that got the best results did less work. Yeah. And, and is it, so is it, is it the work? Is it the athlete? I mean, you said that some athletes are different and they have the ability to, you know, adjust. It's a genetically like some of the genetic freaks. Yeah. But that's what you do. You pattern, you go, what does the best look like? Right. And you go, what is the thing that separates them? And then how do we build that into somebody else? Does that make sense? Yeah. So the human body is a is an adaptation machine. Biologically, that is what it's hardwired to do. From the moment you're born and you're sensing your environment, there's called functional systems that the brain and nervous system are creating to adapt to the environment. That capability never goes away. Neuroplasticity, right? Mm-hmm. From at least from a cognitive perspective, you can do the same things for the tissues of the body, for different systems and organs. You have what you have to be able to do is understand what is the body ready and capable of, and then match it. And yes, there is a ceiling for everybody. Like, can anybody get faster? One hundred percent. 
is everybody going to be Usain Bolt? Absolutely not. Right. Does that make sense? Everybody can get stronger. Absolutely. Stronger for you, faster for you. I say it all the time. Right? Right. And, you know, Strength's easier to develop than speed, but it's still a capability you can get better at. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, no, that I just I'm I'm just backing you up. I mean, it's something that I say in, in coaching all the time. You know, we all have we got to get better for us, not for, you know, to compete mm-hmm. with the other the person running next to you. You never know. Um And this is and we I think that this is a this is a conversation that many people Again, I've – all right. So I have my own thing that I do in my head. My own, I know my body. I know my training. I know the, bi- the biological, physiological, all the logicals, you right? You think you do. Right. You think you do. Um, but, you, you know, you, you know, I've studied here or there a couple times. But there's a lot of conversations both of us have gotten into that where we've agreed and disagreed with people because they said, sure. you have to do this. Oh. You need to follow this. And what's interesting is as you keep talking about, you know, the best athletes worked less. I call them the right? white the white knight conversations where the white knight is coming in with the answers. So, um, <laughs> it, you know, a lot of people, especially myself, I've been told a lot in the last 10 yeah. years, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. This is what you need to do and blah, blah, blah. And Brian's always like, mm, it, well, yeah, maybe, but also this is what works for you. And I think that's really, you know, coming in right now saying, listen – I get it, but here's the data. And that's that's what I think is fascinating for performance. What are your goals? Is it to be an Olympian or is it just, you know, I deal with a lot of people that just want a better health span or longevity, Boom. right? And that's what it is. It's when I was a collegiate athlete, it was much different than when I train now to do an endurance event or train just to be functional and live independently for the rest of my life. And those are the things I think you're talking about with the adaptation. I mean, just with what you're saying is I don't care if you're 15 and you're going to the Olympics or if you're 85, we still have to have this, you know, adaptation to what we're experiencing and what works for one person doesn't work for another. But this is the science. We actually have the data now to to prove it. Yes, 100%. So like, what we, you know, transitioning to my work now in the general population, it's, you know, COVID taught us one thing that like, you know, if people say they can manage stress, they're, it's a complete fallacy. You can't manage things that are outside of your control. We couldn't manage COVID. We couldn't manage getting rear-ended. What you can do is build the capacity to adapt. Physical and mental. Okay. And so like, if we look like people are flocking to aim seven, because we talk about put like stopping burnout and helping people like not demonize stress, but look at it as their gateway to growth. Right. And so it, there are some like principles, like if you like want to be more adaptive, there's five principles or we call pillars you need to engage in the scientific literature is very clear they improve longevity and your resilience, sleep, exercise, mental fitness, nutrition, and healthy relationships. Let's just look at exercise because that's kind of a topic we're discussing. We know that um, certain amount of aerobic exercise or heart rate eleva- elevated exercise plus resistance training. If you do 150 to 300 minutes of heart rate elevated exercise a week, doesn't matter what it is, Zumba, mixed with recumbent bike 
Let's just think of the weirdest stuff we can come up with. Yeah. Right, whatever. Zumba's great. I can't do it, but maybe you can. Sledgehammering drywall. Right. right. <laughs> and then you do two total body resistance training sessions a week. Doesn't matter if it's kettlebells. Doesn't matter if it's machines. All cause mortality is reduced by 41 to 47%. Yep. One mm-hmm. versus two total body sessions. The key, though, is with resistance training, it's just got to be intense enough to stimulate a mechanical adaptation. That's it. That is completely it. So all these people are like, here is the magic program. It's a marketing gimmick. Yeah. Everybody's got to sell a product. You know, it doesn't matter if you like to do Peloton for your aerobic exercise, but there's just certain principles, right? When it comes to sleep, you know, then we could look at another one. You can look at these things. Like you don't have to have a special diet. There's just fundamental principles of what the body needs to survive and thrive. So we try to be agnostic to the quote specific exercise. Everything that we built is based off of what you like to do. And then we give you the dose and the precision for what your body's ready to adapt to. And we've just, people just flourish. It's crazy. It's, it's when you awesome. don't smash people every day. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, and you know, and that's the same thing. Like, look at, look at our track and field, right? Like we don't do high intensity interval training five days a week. We do it one or two, right? You know, it's and like, there are days for it, right? right? Like some days it's green light. Yep. You had a great night of sleep. You and your partner, like got along yesterday. You had some good food. You woke up and you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel great. Now that is the day yep. to go crush yourself yeah. and like enjoy it and like push yourself to the nth degree. And then there are some days where people are like, you just got to be disciplined. Yeah. Discipline yourself to a disc herniation. <laughs> like, and then you'll it's be so like, true. I wish I didn't do that. It takes more discipline to throttle it back and pivot a little bit. That's discipline. And it does to, yes. That's the truth. Easy, easy on easy days is discipline, right? It's yes. you know, especially mm-hmm. with the high school kids, the knuckleheads I got to work with. But uh, well, you guys caught me on a good Friday. I'm typically not this animated, no. but I'm thankful you opened no, but, the doorway. No, for you're it. you're you're awesome, and you're telling us what we need to hear. Not you know, uh, you know, this is uh, by the we way, we don't wear lab coats, man. We want to hear like uh, uh, you know exactly what we want. Also, hear. I'm just gonna throw this out there for everybody listening. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but what Eric is saying is not rocket science. It's like not, literally. It's not new either, this right? This is not new. It's not rocket science. And everything you've talked about with the pillars, this is this is overall health and wellness. You're just kind of dialing it in and saying, here's the science, here's the numbers. You know, again, Health is not a pill, a potion, a powder, Mm-mm. you know, shoot this Ozempics into your stomach to lose the belly fat. Like literally, I know that's a whole nother bag of worms, right? Mm-hmm. We're not even going to go there. Hashtag that. Hashtag angry. <laughs> hashtag angry elf. Hashtag Hulk. Show notes. Hashtag. Um, but these are the things that I think we've been fighting with just for years at this point yeah. of when is it going to stop? When are we going to realize that? Without movement, you got nothing. Everything's over. You're, I mean, what are we going to do? Give up? I mean, if you're not going to move, then, then what? You just sit and then your muscles atrophy, sarcopenia, osteop- you know, osteoporosis, all the penia, zenosis, right? All of it happens. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is, this is smart training is what it is. You don't mm. have to, you know, again, if you don't need, when I was coaching, I remember when I first started coaching, 
I, I coached volleyball for many years. That was my sport in college. And there was so much running. There were so many like push-ups and sit-ups and like longer runs. And I remember, you know, infusing some of this into when I first started coaching. And I remember sitting back one day and saying, why am I having them do this? This has nothing. We've all made that mistake, haven't we? When we looking back at your early days of coaching, early days of coaching, I'm like, oh, good lord! I mean, even my early days of like, we didn't kill them. Like (laughs) early days as a as you know when I started you know group like doing some group X classes you know as a side hustle and personal training like some of the things I had people do we didn't have the science yet we didn't have it. And now it makes sense to why that wasn't the most effective or someone like tweaked their shoulder, their, you know, knee, but we do. We did the best you could, you know, like when I started out my first full time, I'll never forget. I was at university of Arkansas as a graduate assistant and I was put over softball an SEC program. And I wrote a program and I implemented it to the best of what I knew. I, there was, I was not qualified to be doing this at the time. And I brought it back to a mentor of mine at A&M, Rachelle Ellsworth, who's been a coach for, you know, X number of years. And she's like, why did you do this? And I'm like, uh, and she's like, this isn't good. And it was like a real eye opener for me. She's like, like, you got to, you got to step it up, Eric. I'm like, I'm doing the best I can. And she's like, you need to learn faster. And she challenged me and, but you know what? Like, we got to go start somewhere. So, like, sure. if you're listening to this, I don't want you to, like beat yourself up that like maybe you did you did copy a program from a mentor. What you did, it's part of the evolution. But there's better out there. Um, I will say something if you don't mind. Like, what we are doing that's very different is that we now what we do is we suck in your wearable data, and we can quantify adaptation okay so that's the evolution of what we're doing that's the quote rocket science the pillars of adaptation are not but what we can do is is like because people often like well how do i know we've been doing this for well over a decade and so what we do is we suck in your wearable data and we also pair it with very unique experience in the morning we call it a calibration it takes 20 seconds we actually ask you how you feel um because if anybody's ever had an aura ring or something like that great device but it's like hey you fit you're a 90 today and you're like i feel like 15 i'm right. awful you don't know it's me. because you don't know me it's because wearable data is a lagging indicator okay yeah it, it's not sensitive enough it doesn't have context. And then what research shows, you're going to laugh. When I was in sports science, we used to do things like, I wonder if our athletes are sore. So we would take creatine kinase. It's a measure of uh, muscle damage. Or like, I wonder if they're stressed. Let's take cortisol. You know, yeah. it's a stress. And then we started going, you know what? If we just ask yeah. them. <laughs> and then we do the right math on it. Then the research showed that if you – asked them and it was a sensitive enough way of measuring it. It was directly correlated to biologically what was happening. So what we do is we combine the wearable data with how you feel and we have very complex algorithms. And then it's like, here's the dosage. Here's how adaptable you are. And here's the dosage. 
you're, you're stressed out for this reason. Here's a specific tool to use right now to adjust your autonomic nervous system so you can calm down and regain control. You see what I'm saying? So what we've done is, is the principles, like you said, are not, they're, they're, they're nothing new. Right. Our understandings of how to like change these behaviors are adjusting. But what we do that's very unique is like, because we did this for years with athletes behind closed doors where performance was at a premium, we started to learn how we could dial in those appropriate doses for anybody, whether you're 45 or 50 year old with three kids and you're really busy and you do Zumba three times a week, we can still do the same thing. It's just match for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I was going to ask you that earlier because you mentioned the football positions and that, you know, you've got to kind of come up with a system or rhythm for each yes. of them. And, you know, I was going to ask, what do you got for a 48 year old dude who still likes to run marathons and get a little bit faster, right? With three yeah. kids and five jobs. That's what aim seven is. Yeah. So that's aim we, seven. We were just like, you know what? Yeah. This shouldn't be reserved for the elite athletes or military special operators. Let's figure out a way to bring this to the 120 million Americans that have a wearable. Wearable. So which wearables? What are the, like, what do you, what do you connect to? I mean, which ones are the best? Do you, do you Apple, give you the more information? Yeah. Apple watch, Fitbit, Garmin, Aura. We'll be adding some more soon. Um, but those are pretty much the, the big, the big dogs Fitbit. Um, you know, Apple's got the biggest market share. Here's the thing. They're all, I actually have an article. We, we made this blog. So I was like, I'm curious what people are interested about with their wearables. So we did a bunch of research, keyword research, and we created this blog and it's basically like a resource on the accuracy of wearable technology for steps, for calories, for heart. And it is like blown up. It is like from an SEO perspective, our traffic grew 10,000% in several months. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's been cited by Ben Greenfield and all these people, right? And, um, but we did all the research. I had a PhD grad student. I was like, these are the things I want you to do. And so we updated every month. A lot of these devices like are very inaccurate for things like calories like wildly inaccurate mm -hmm. so you got to know what to pay attention to right how to measure it and then uh what like trends to follow so for instance heart rate variability people know about this right okay, now it's a yeah. measure of autonomic stress well apple takes your hrv at the most random intervals like it's never the same it's never at the same time. They can't do it all night because their battery will die. Um, you know, Aura does it all night. Whoop does it all night. Fitbit. It's it's just anyways. So we're like, you know what? We put a technology in the app where we're like, from a scientific perspective, it needs to be done at the same time in the same way. So people literally just put their finger over the camera for one minute when they wake up and we get their HRV. So we we try to like do it in a way that's simple. It takes one minute. No big deal. So there's certain things we, we measure and certain things we're like, until it gets more accurate, like we pay zero attention to sleep stages because it's wildly inaccurate. Yeah. When all you really need to pay attention to is when did they go to bed? When did they wake up? How long did they sleep? And how consistent were they? And then you need to drive behavior change. Well, what do I do about it? <laughs> it's so simple. Right. And so that's what we do. We're like, I'm a busy person. I don't have time to care about my deep sleep. Right. So how do I sleep better? And then we'll just give you a little nudge of like, do this. You know what I'm saying? 
So, so what does your technology consist of? I, I know you said you put the fi- your finger over something. What do you? What would your? What would AIM 7's uh, you know, technology be? Yeah, we need the we yeah, need the app. details yeah. of what how do how do people get this? How do Brian and I oh, okay. get this? You know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's an app. Um, depending on when this airs, uh, the app is available on our website right now in private beta. But later in August, it will be live in the App Store. Um, really excited about that launch. Um, it's been two years in the making. So really been working hard on this. It's an app. It's very simple. Uh, the first week, it's like just we, it's just like we would do with an athlete. Yeah. We give them recommendations at the beginning, but the recommendations in the algorithm over the first month become highly precise and in tune to you. Um, and the first week, what we do is we teach people this really cool, be- uh, we call behavior design model and these little short modules. We teach them how to take consistent action towards their goals anchored in their values. Uh, because what we found was I can give you the perfect recommendation, but if you don't have a system and a way to lock it in into long-term behavior, it's a waste of time. And this has literally been a game, a life changer for some people. They had never thought about some of the things that we, so we built this for busy people that don't have a ton of time. So the first week we kind of baseline things. You immediately get some recommendations. Then at the end of the first week, we're like, all right, this is the single area that you need to focus on mind, body or recovery. Then we create a small little goal. We give you precise recommendations. And then we back that up with a masterclass library from some of the best experts in the world on different subjects, like the senior sports psychologist from the U S Olympics teaching on psychological flexibility and mindfulness and like short two minute video and audio clips, the director of wellness and development for the Raptors, uh, I went out and got the best of the best. Awesome. And we, we built a little library because research demonstrates that wearables don't change long-term health behavior. What you need is a specific goal, real-time feedback, education, and things need to change and adjust with you. So we built all of that in a very simple fee- an app. So if it's after August 28th, you can get it on the App Store. If it's before that, you just go to our website. Awesome. And and you know, so the who again? Who's uh, so subscription based? Is it subscription did, based? Yeah. It's nine ninety nine a month. We tried to make it very inexpensive. Right. Uh, we're baking in some really cool technologies that we'll be adding into this soon. But um, our target, the people that love this thing, are thirty five to sixty year old people that are busy. They're time poor and they just need a simple solution. Like I already have some things I like to do. Yeah. Game seven, tell me how to organize it. That's it's amazing. It. It's very simple. It's it's amazing. And, and you know, everybody, like you said, they're, they'll go from anything that the internet says or, or the oh, cover of people magazine at the checkout Men's line, health. you know, whatever. Yeah. Men's health. Are you as fit as a Navy seal? No, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't nope. need to be. <laughs> right? I'm not. I'm Why not. do I need a six pack abs? Yeah, huh? I'm, I'm not doing that this week. <laughs> no. Whatever that is, I'm not right. doing no that. No log PT for me. <laughs> yeah. No. And right? don't eat either. Yeah. Stay hot. Also that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, and and then and then how about from there and you know from 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 the athletes and so not the thirty five to sixty maybe somebody who who is you know an athlete do you have uh, products for them or is it something that's adaptable? Uh, it's adaptable. I mean, we have people that are triathletes using it uh, because it scales on your journey. It's like one of our core values is individuality. We want to meet you where you are to bring you to where you want to be. 
And so there's a lot of scalability in the system, but, um, knowing how much stress you can adapt to and how hard you can push yourself. I mean, we built stuff in there for power zone riders on Peloton golfers. Yeah. Uh, know when to walk versus ride. When to, what, what type of irons you should be focusing on in your practice. Like we get really your yoga. We have competitive yoga athletes using this thing. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. I was say, is that a thing? That seems anti-yoga to me. Anti- You're not supposed well. to be competitive yoga. What? They hold like a handstand for 10 minutes and it's pretty impressive. You should go Google it. And somebody that's on the Federation started using this and she started PRing, having personal records of competitions because she's like the mental fitness part of the app like was a game changer for her. And... um I don't know. It's so interesting. We have people that are farmers in Iowa to, you know, it's just the cool thing about when you build something like this and you start building a community and you start interacting with folks, it opens your eyes mm-hmm. to the rest of the world. But it also is like everybody's dealing with the same thing. Yep. Mm. We're all humans. And we're all humans. It's human connection. Amen to that. Yeah. You can take your you know, shoving our inclusivity and diversity and all that stuff that's like shoved down your throat, which is causing more rifts and like separating people. I'm like, we're all human. We all are sad and we're happy and we feel good and we feel bad. And we sleep. Oh my we gosh. I, I'm, right? I still can't get over the whole idea of holding a yoga pose. And like, and like if Brian and I were holding a yoga pose here Dude, I'm gonna and fuck and you like, up in yoga, right, you like I could out. imagine <laughs> what, like what happens? I break the, I like win and he falls and I'm like, Someone comes out and puts a chain, Zen. a chain around your neck, right? right? You guys, right. <laughs> right? There's a belt, there's oh, a man. yoga belt, right? Oh, that's like hysterical. there's outfits. I'm sorry. This is how this is away. what happens on a Friday. I'm sorry. I had now, to just stop there for look, a moment. This is fantastic, and d- we're really excited. No, I'm really excited. Really excited. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need a snippet here. I need a sound bite. Tell everybody out there the importance of a good night's sleep. Oh, it's it's. Thomas Decker in the 1700s said it's the golden chain that ties your health and human body together. And, um, it, it is the unlock. Um, I know a lot of people that, you know, athletes that were training very hard and doing everything right, but they weren't sleeping enough or they weren't getting enough quality sleep and their mood would suffer depression. Couldn't reach, you know, peak productivity it is one of those things that if you can create the environment for sleep and you know how to create the conditions right. that foster a good night's sleep, that's the big failing out there. It's like, oh, everybody needs seven to nine hours of sleep. And oh, great. Thank you very much. I know to do that. Thank you for the app to tell me to sleep more long, you know, longer. How do you do it? And if you know how to do that with some simple behaviors that are repeatable where it lends itself to, I feel tired now. Um, that's, that's the deal. But I would just say for anybody out there listening, if there's one thing you could start with, um, if you don't feel like you're sleeping enough or you're not sleeping well, you know, you don't wake up feeling rested in the morning that could change your life. Um, and then the second thing is, is like, just start walking. Thank you. Like people just walked and slept. Holy cow. Anxiety, depression, all these things, like the research is demonstrating it. It's, this isn't Eric's hot take. The literature is very clear 
And there's a lot of mechanisms we could come back one day and talk about, about why walking helps you process emotional things and dampens fear centers in your brain and all that kind of stuff. I, I, but, I swear. I mean, Eric, what, uh, Christine, what do I talk about? I know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a track coach. I'm a running coach. And people come to me all the time. What do I need to do? I said, you need to walk. I jumped on your wagon. Right? Like, That's what I tell everyone. What's the best thing you could do? Walking. And Lower look, belly fat. Walk. And, Literally. <laughs> And we're in, the, we're, in the, we're in the fitness industry, right? Christina's idea world fitness oh trainer of the year. And, and let's you know, go. Yeah, let's go. Oh, no, it's legit. Present. Yeah, no, Present there, and accounted witness. for. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the fitness industry gets it completely wrong because why? We're knuckleheads. We want high intensity interval trainings, you know, five to seven days a week and, uh, you know, no rest. That's for sissies. And, and, you know, we're ready to hit you over the head with a boot camp anytime we can. But I'm like, no, walking. Tired. Go walking. I'm getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> so Off the air, I'll give you some thoughts on a couple things. Oh, my gosh. Oh, all right, all right. All right, listen, before we end today, Eric, just go ahead and tell our listeners where should they go, website, yeah. social media links, where they can find out yeah. more. I really appreciate it, first of all. Thank you for letting me come on. It's a, bl- it's a blessing and an honor to be here with you all. And um, You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, X, I guess you call it now, at Eric <laughs> Quorum, E-R-I-K-K-O-R-E-M, um, aim7.com, A-I-M-7. And then I have a podcast called The Blueprint, and it's uh, we just do cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into very short episodes, 10 to 15 minutes. So you don't have to listen to Andrew Huberman for two hours. <laughs> we'll get, we bring on literally the same guests, and I get it done in 10 minutes. And, um, and so that's my whole thing is like busy people don't have time for three hour shows. You know, it's a life, like a marathon. And so like where it's like, Hey, just let's do it. So if that's interesting to you and you want to listen to something on the way to the grocery store to sleep better, check it out. Yeah, very cool. Real quick. Cause I told you I wasn't letting you out of here. Uh, Jamaican sprinters. What was your experience like with that coach mills? Were you working with coach mills? Oh, I know him. Yeah. Um, I was working with Veronica Campbell Brown. Okay. She's an eight-time Olympic medalist. Sure. I worked with Aileen Bailey. Um, worked with a number of them, but uh, Veronica was the one that I met at the university. I worked Tyson Gay, Wallace Spearman, Veronica Campbell. Yeah. Um, and then I got introduced to that system. So I got to go to champs and go to world championships and all that kind of stuff. It was fantastic. Sometimes it's a dream. Like I kind of, I think back on all the things that I was able to do and be a part of, especially with Veronica. She's a dear friend, her and her husband, Omar, just Veronica was, she's the, one of the most regal people you've ever met. And there's a statue of her, Usain and, um, Shelly Ann Frazier in Jamaica. They're all together. I mean, she's amazing. And, um, the culture down there is just different. I mean, the sprint culture is different. The the environment for track uh, breeds success from a standpoint of these kids are put under pressure at an early age and they know how to thrive. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a reason that they're succeeding and it's not because they're running on the beach because they don't do that. They don't do that. So sand training, please eliminate that from your training. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? You don't you don't have to go too far. You can go to the pen relays and see the high schoolers coming through there. And the Jamaican Let's high go. school yeah. is fantastic. And my kids are racing like in the next heat and they're like not as fast as those Jamaican high school kids. <laughs> right? You know, and, and, uh, and you know, the 
educated crowd at the pen relays once a time you know they pop off a time and the crowd goes whoa you know it's, it brings the crowd up and uh you know my kids are next in the starting block saying oh shit like that <laughs> they just ran a 45 hey <laughs> you get to be in that stadium competing yeah, it's the best that's a win it's the best we just bring that our seniors. We bring our seniors. I don't even bring the, the. Sometimes I'm not even bringing the fast kids because mm. I want everybody to experience that. It's amazing. Mm. Well, thank That's you, man. Awesome. I, I really appreciate you, and thanks for letting me get that last one in there because uh, I needed to know. Uh, I love. I, was, I love you. all of this, um, you know, and and I just love that. You know, it leaves no gray area. There's answers out there, and people just need to find them. And um, you know, I think that they can do that with Aim Seven and your podcast and everything that you're doing. Thank you, and uh, man, thanks for coming on. All right. With that said, Eric, thank you. And this is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.